if you have some kind of product or service that you have in addition to your writing, which if you're a really good entrepreneur, you know, you probably will have all different kinds of other things that you sell on the quote back end. Free days and getting people to download your book can be an unbelievable way to build a business on a website. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley, and joining us as always from Maui, we have our official co-host, Aloha Kamanzi Constable. Aloha, Jared, and hello to all my Star of the Doubts friends. <laughs> Today we got a very interesting person on. He's got a nickname, and uh, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> Our guest today is Matt Stone. He's the author of more than 15 books. One of those books was a number one Amazon bestseller for 17 months, Kamanzi. And Matt's written, sold, produced, and published books in every conceivable form. Websites, paperbacks, book bundles, ClickBank, affiliates, audiobooks, foreign markets with translations, and sold books at just about every retailer on earth. He's even sold a few books at Google Play. So, Matt, yes. we got to talk about this. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, boys. <laughs> All right. Matt, are you really in Florida? I'm really in Florida. I'm in Venice right now. It's kind of warm and cloudy and, you know, sweaty. But, yeah, it's, you know, that's how it is. I roll Florida style. I'm sorry to hear that. I actually am in South Florida. so I don't Yeah, know no, I, I saw that. I saw that in your bio. I'm well aware. And for those who uh, may not have had a chance to know who Matt is, if you ever get a chance to see his image on Skype, it's going to crack you up. Tell us about your image on Skype. Well, you know, I'm a little <laughs> bit of a Photoshopaholic, and so that is me and uh, my fake cat all dressed up in Christmas attire. I call him Mr. Jingles. And um, <laughs> what's nice about Photoshop, in real life I'm like deathly allergic to cats, but in Photoshop, you know, we snuggle. It's great. Um, in Photoshop, meow. So, Matt, I, this is like one of those uh, awkward family photo pictures. So yes. I think pulled that and then just photoshopped it up. It's a beautiful picture. So thank you for sharing that. All right. So, Matt, we ask everyone the same question that comes on the show. You are going to get that opportunity as well. So the best concert that you've ever been to is? Uh, I went to see Tool at Red Rocks. I'd have to say that was the best. But everything I saw at Red Rocks was cool out in Colorado. So Tool. Okay. Cool. Interesting. So, Kamanzi, would you have guessed Tool? I don't think I'd guess most of these that people say when they come on the show. <laughs> come on, Dave, I was going to ask you if you like Taylor Swift. No, don't do it, Jerry. We're going to go one episode without it. <laughs> I grew up in Nashville, so, I mean, if there's any connection with country music whatsoever, I can't handle it. So, you know, Taylor's out. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I saw Tenacious D and Ween at Red Rocks, which is a very close second. So Yeah, that has to be fun. Okay, so Kamanzi, let's talk about this nickname that Matt yeah, has. Yeah, all right. So Matt, tell us who is Buck Flogging and how in the world did that come about? <laughs> Buck Flogging is the sort of fictitious womanizing tycoon that uh, is kind of my alter ego, and uh, I use him as a pen name. And he came into existence because I went through a transition because I'd been a health and nutrition researcher and writer for a long period of time. And I got sick of doing that, but in the process of doing it, I, you know, developed a pretty successful line of books and, uh, you know, kind of learned the ropes of how to do it successfully and make some money in an online business. And that wasn't really intentional. I wasn't an entrepreneur. I, you know, didn't set out to become one, but I did become interested. I saw a lot of people doing a lot of smart things that made them a lot of money. And I was making a little bit, but I knew that my business, the way it was set up and everything that I was doing was more as a, I don't know, kind of a glorified hobby, not so much a really smart money-making machine. 
So I decided to play entrepreneur a little bit, and uh, to bridge that gap, I decided to enter that world with a little bit of a, a pen name because I didn't want to tell the whole uh, health and nutrition community that I was off doing these other adventures because that just doesn't really, I don't know, it just didn't seem like it was going to fly very well. But now that buck flogging has become very successful, I feel like it's okay if the rest of the health nutrition world knows that you know I'm doing these other things because I'm not really dependent on that income coming in from that anymore. And buck flogging is, uh, you know, basically my affront to realizing how stupid, in my case at least, blogging was. Because I blogged my little fingers to the bone for seven years. And, um, you know, there's some advantages to it. But truly, if you're a writer and you're wanting to make money as an author, blogging is a huge time sink and it's not a very efficient means of, of turning your words into dollars in your pocket. So buck flogging is obviously an anti-blogging character. And uh, yeah, now he's got all kinds of other things that he's dipping himself into these days. Yes, he should. Jared, did we just lose like half of our listeners when he just said that? <laughs> well, I think people are more offended by uh, Tool over Taylor Swift, but no, oh. I think this is a great, oh. uh, Jared, a great nickname, Matt. You thought that his uh, <laughs> Skype picture was good? Uh, you should see his Amazon profile picture. Yes. I've seen the Amazon profile picture for Buck flogging. It's, uh, like you said, a womanizer, right? He's got a few uh, he, ladies. Buck there. loves the ladies and the ladies love Buck. And, um, <laughs> he also squats 800 pounds for reps. He loves to, uh, you know, hit the gym and, um, you know, he's a multi-trillionaire by now. I'm sure at least. <laughs> when I first uh, read about Buck and I didn't know the joke, like, yeah, I thought <laughs> this guy's pretty humble. Yeah. <laughs> <So. laughs> So let's roll into finish this sentence. Uh, you've read a lot of books. You've learned a lot through that process. So finish this sentence. The best way for an author to market their book is? Build an email list. Duly noted. Which, of course, has its own answer of how the heck do you do that. But that's definitely, uh, you got to get followers, and uh, you have to be able to contact them on demand, not through social media, which depends on algorithms and all kinds of other crap that's always changing, but... On your terms, which is you being able to write and reach out to them and it goes to their inbox a few minutes later, you know, those kinds of terms. You need to be able to get in touch with the people who've ever taken an interest in you at any point. Good deal. Yeah. And I'm definitely am 100% behind that. So Matt, one thing every author should do right after they listen to this interview is. Whew, uh, probably write. You know, obviously, there's a lot of information out there about authorship and making money and doing all these things. But really what it boils down to is and what I think gets lost in this Kindle gold rush that's going on right now is people forget that good quality content is really where it all begins. You know, that's sort of the the bread and butter of what makes an author successful and all the ninja hacks in the world. They're not going to equal a successful run as an author. You have to be able to work on your craft. You have to put in a lot of hours on the keyboard and writing good stuff. If you're a nonfiction author, it's got to be stuff that brings value to other people's lives. To be able to do that, you have to build expertise in something. So it takes a lot of study. It takes a lot of writing. It takes a lot of work. And all the marketing stuff is just a small percentage and can be done a lot more efficiently than people are doing it. Okay. Now, Matt, this is going to be one of the more important questions, okay? Yes. So the best place to get a bratwurst in Wisconsin is... <laughs> the flogging sausage factory. There's really nothing like it. 
It's a family <laughs> tradition since uh, early 2014. So, Matt, are you actually from Milwaukee? No, I'm not. That was uh, uh, just completely pulled out of thin air. I just was trying to think of a way to, to get flogging sausage worked into my bio. and uh, <laughs> But I, I couldn't say that I was a sausage king of Chicago because that's clearly a direct assault on Ferris Bueller. But I, I did want to have a little bit of, I don't know, sort of sideways Ferris Bueller connection going there. So. All right. And for those of you who <laughs> don't know, I am was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the best place to get abroad in Wisconsin is definitely the broad stop in racing. So just in case you guys were wondering. <laughs> you did oh, wow. do. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's <laughs> my hometown he's talking about there. I have been to Wisconsin before. So I've had, you know, cheese curds and fish Fridays and all that kind of weird stuff that Wisconsin people do. We love it. <laughs> but, you know, to be fair, Matt, I did move away from Milwaukee. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matt, so now we're going to roll into blank versus blank. And so I'm going to ask you, give you two options. Tell us which one you would choose and maybe like a little bit of why. So Amazon free days on KDP Select versus book promotion list like Buck Books. Well, that's an interesting comparison. You know, KDP Select free days are not very good at selling your book. But if you have 10 other books it might sell all nine of your other books by running free days. You might also be able to generate subscribers. If you have the ability to get uh, quite a few free downloads, it can generate tons of subscribers. I've probably gotten 5,000 subscribers in the last year from running KDP Select free days on my website, which is very valuable. But when it comes to actually selling, well, one more thing as well, if you have some kind of product or service that you have in addition to your writing, which if you're a really good entrepreneur, you know, you probably will have all different kinds of other things that you sell on the quote back end, you know, free days and getting people to download your book can be an unbelievable way to build a business on a website. So I have, you know, some authors that I work with that are making two, three dollars for every time their book gets downloaded. And, you know, even if their book is given away for free, they can make tons and tons and tons of money back on their website with expensive consultations and video products and other things. But if you're just talking about selling your book, there's no question that you want to get sales in the paid store. It doesn't matter what price they are. as They can be 99 cents, like all the books that I promote on Buck Books are. But you want to get as many downloads in that paid store as possible. That boosts up your rank, and then you can raise the price and show up on all these bestseller lists and make you know hundreds, if not thousands, of extra dollars by doing a really strong promo at 99 cents, some kind of discount promo like that. And uh, tell us real quick, because the listeners probably don't know, tell us what Buck Books is. Buck Books is buckbooks.net, and that is the discount book promotion entity that I created back in May of 2014. Buck Flogging, the uh, man who these gentlemen are so fascinated with, is the proprietor <laughs> over there. And uh, he sends out daily emails every day with off-the-wall humor and a lot of book deals on books that are 99 cents or free. In the Kindle store, we're going to add audiobooks soon, but that's a great way for authors to get some free promotion, and it's a great way for readers to go and find, you know, some really great books for basically, you know, next to nothing. Everybody wins with Buck Flogging. <laughs> All right, so this next question is from Jody Mayberry out of Washington State, and he wants to do a blank versus blank. He's asking traditionally published versus self-published. I've done both, which is, you know, very interesting. Obviously, if you traditionally publish and everything goes well, 
you're probably going to be really glad that you traditionally published. But most people are under this false belief that traditionally published books are always going to show up on the shelves at Barnes and Noble. Like every traditionally published book is just out there selling like hotcakes and the publishers are bending over backwards and pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into this marketing campaign. And that's just not true. Just like any business, they take what is working and selling and easy to sell and easy to promote. And they put all their advertising money into that. And then the books that aren't really working very well, aren't selling very well, they just completely forget about them. And, um, you know, you're still looking at over 90% of the books that are traditionally published, hardly sell anything at all. So if you're getting a dollar a copy, which, you know, is probably about what you're going to get with a traditional publisher, and it's not selling very well, then you can have a really abysmal failure of a book. I've written a book that I have received less, fewer than $300 on since it was published almost a decade ago. So that's the pain of traditional publishing. Now, self-publishing is great because obviously you get to keep more like 2 to $7 per copy sold. And all your marketing efforts that you do yourself, they're going to really pay off. You can put your heart and soul into it. And if somebody buys a book, you get 2 to $7 instead of 1. And... If you're the type of person who likes to go out there and, you know, hustle and meet people and get guest posts put on blogs and be on podcasts and, you know, sort of just be heard and get people out there on the interwebs finding out about you, you know, you're going to be much more handsomely rewarded by publishing the self-publishing route. There's no doubt about it. And it's so much more fun and it's faster. You can publish shorter books. You don't have to write these 50 to 100,000 word Beast, you can write 10 to 20,000 word books all day long. And, um, you know, you could publish a book every month as a self publisher. And that there's some, you know, some great things about it. And in the future, it's only going to get better for self publishers. I mean, everything is swinging in that direction right now. Matt, we have a lot of listeners who they're aspiring authors. They want to write that self published book or, you know, go along that path. So what's your, I guess, what does the average author face in publishing today? Well, if you're talking about indie publishing specifically, you know, obviously the biggest hurdle, the biggest obstacle is that everybody and their uncle is trying to publish a book right now. Not just a book, but maybe 12 books because all the indie publishing gurus are like, write, publish, repeat, write, publish, repeat, publish as many books as you can. When you get to 50, you'll be a successful author. You know, there's this kind of crazy fervor out there to write just tons and tons of books. And that's really saturating the Kindle market. So to be able to be successful, the greatest obstacle you have to overcome is you have to figure out some kind of marketing advantage or some kind of leverage that you can use to propel you above the other 98% of serial Kindle authors out there who are flooding the market. And if you do, you can be, you can still be very successful even with the, you know, who knows. 50 million books that are going to be published over the next five years. Who knows? It's going to be a lot. I don't know the actual numbers, but I know that it's increasing rapidly. So, Matt, you had a blog that was pretty popular. And at one point, it had generated $150,000 in revenue. Why in the world would you kill that, Matt? Well, you know, it's all about, it, it sounds like, wow, you, you had a blog and you were making, you know, generating $150,000 of revenue a year. And that's really pretty cool. And I don't take it for granted. I mean, it's awesome. But the thing is, is that, you know, you really have to look at total traffic and total time spent and total effort 
and then look at the number of dollars that add up and sort of look at what your work to revenue ratio is in order to achieve that. You kind of have to look at your revenue per site visitor and sort of figure out what that is. And if I look at that, yes, I was making that amount of money, but I was getting over a hundred thousand visits to the site every month only to be making about 12,000 a month. So I was only making about a dime for per site visitor. And it's not that much. And I was working really, 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 really hard to get those people in at that rate. And, you know, so it was, yes, it was great and all, but I knew I could do better. And, and I am, you know, I'm generating three times that amount of revenue off of less traffic than that with buck books. And I don't do any work for it, really. I mean, this is about as much work as I do for it these days is get on the phone with you guys. I mean, I have people writing the emails, building events to get subscribers in, graphic designers to create all this other stuff. I'm, you know, I don't really communicate with authors much. You know, I probably work 10 hours a week on it at the most. If somebody is listening to this and they're like, I'm where you are, Matt. I'm frustrated. I've been blogging away. I'm not seeing the results I want. If they shouldn't blog, what are some things that they should be doing? Well, I've seen people be very successful with blogging, and it just depends because blogging is a very good way. You can still build up a following. You can still network with a lot of other people who blog and develop a tremendous network of allies. You can launch products. You can launch videos and classes and uh, all kinds of different things. The most successful bloggers I know are making, you know, they're going to be making over $100,000 this year on essential oils as essential oils distributors. I mean, there's a lot of ways to make money, but they don't make a whole lot of money off of books. And if you like writing and want to be a writer and you'd rather make money from the sales of your books rather than the sales of a bunch of affiliate products and gadgets and video courses and summits and book bundles and all those other affiliate things out there that bloggers, you know, use to make money, you know, then blogging starts to not make very much sense at all. And if you really want to make money directly from your writing and be a respected author, it makes a lot more sense to ditch that, start writing books, and then just focus on capturing email subscribers, which is as simple as putting up a one-page website with a button on it that says subscribe and a little paragraph that gives them a reason to subscribe. It could be an e-course. It could be video products. It could be a free book. It could be, you know, notifications on each book that you release later on down the line. It could be any number of different offers that you get in exchange for that email address. Then you can just sort of set it and forget it. And everything that you do, every book that you write, Every podcast that you're on, every blog post that you write for somebody else's blog, all your promotional efforts, you can direct people right back to that lead page and know that 10, 20, 30% of the people that visited that page are becoming email subscribers. When I was blogging, I was getting 0.1% opt-in rate. And now I have lead pages with, you know, anywhere from 10 to 50% opt-in rate. And I'd much rather send people to a page like that than just a general blog knowing that those people, I have nothing there to be able to capture them and be able to communicate with them later on down the line. Lead capture, totally different. I'm communicating with thousands of people every day by sending out email broadcasts, more than I ever could reach, you know, in in that kind of intimate way through blogging and social media and other ways that people are advocating so strongly. 
Man, this is a pretty good segue. Kamanzi and I were just about to announce our new course. It's Essential Oils for Writers. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we really, really appreciate that. All right. All right. So, uh, I'm a podcaster. I, I don't consider myself a writer, although I do have a self-published book and it will be featured on, uh, Buck Books, by the way. But anyway, how can podcasters sell books outside of just mentioning the book on their show? You know, podcasting is a beautiful thing because you get to, connect with so many people of influence, right? You're connecting with and building, you know, I'll, I'll never forget you, Jared. I'll never forget you ever because I mean, because we're talking, we're speaking one-on-one or you too, Kamanzi. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to leave you out, my brother, but we're like, you know, we're connecting in a way that's very intimate and, um, you know, it's a great way to get yourself known amongst people who have a large sphere of influence. You can reach out to them and uh, network with them about product launches. You can send me a copy of your book and say, hey, man, here's a copy of my book. Would you take a minute to review it and tell people about it? Assuming I was, you know, I don't know if you wrote a book about business and I had a business blog. You have interviewed me before. You could reach out and do that. You could send something to Guy Kawasaki and, hey, mention me on Facebook or whatever. So I think networking with other people is your greatest leverage that you have as a podcaster. And, uh, you know, I would take advantage of the connections, the relationships you've built with people you've interviewed and see who's out there and willing to help a brother out when you come out with your book, who's willing to share it on social media, who's willing to tell some of their email subscribers about it. You know, you might be able to trade with some people. Uh, hey, I'll bring you on the podcast again. And, uh, you know, if you're willing to mention this, I, I don't know, these are sort of a bad brainstorming session, but I, it's good to think about not just directly connecting with readers, but connecting with other people who can connect with a lot more readers than you can reach yourself and multiplying that by many factors of 10 because you're reaching out to dozens, hundreds of people, in fact, to let them know about your book. Let the people at the top know about your book, and they'll let readers know about your book. That's a much better way to go about it. And I think podcasting is a great way to build strong connections with people who matter and can really help your business or your book sales or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve online. So, Matt, you've written 15 books, which means that you must write a bunch how much do you write? Do you have any kind of daily routines or goals? Like, what does your writing schedule look like? Well, when I started writing health and nutrition books, I was obsessed. I mean, I read and wrote and thought about stuff all day long. I was writing blog posts. I was writing, leaving comments, answering personal emails, writing stuff on Facebook and answering comments there. And I probably wrote, gosh, probably 5 million words over the last seven or eight years. I know that seems like an overestimate, but I've thought about it. And I really do think that that's about how much I wrote. Now, if I put all those into a book, that's what kind of kills me. If I saved all that wisdom that I'd been sharing with everyone all over the place and put those into books and refined it and, you know, had it edited and proofread and professionalized, you know, I think I would have gone a lot farther and uh, had a lot of stuff that I would have been a lot more proud of. But anyway, I, as far as my ability to write, I'm a binge writer and I, that's a phrase I haven't heard anybody else use, but what I mean is I don't mean that I get lit up and sit down at the keyboard and start writing. What I mean is that I will sit down and write a book from the first word to the last word as quickly as I can. And then I take a long break. So I'm not one of those. I write every day for two hours. I don't have these, you know, 2000 word targets that I try to hit every day. 
That's not how I work. I'm not a very disciplined person. For me, I have to feel that impulse. Oh, this is a great idea. And it strikes me from out of nowhere. And then I think of a couple other ideas and oh, I got I should write a book. Oh, that'd be a great book. I could put this and this. I start brainstorming and then I sit down and I write this book from cover to cover over three to five days usually. And I find that I stay really focused on it. I don't forget what I already wrote because I've tried to stretch it out where I just kind of pick at it from time to time. You know, I write a thousand words here. Then four days later, I write 800 words. And then a week later, I write 1500. And it just turns into a mess because I really just can't get into it. I have to be immersed into that book project. And uh, just my pick up so much momentum. And by the end, I'm writing, you know, five, six thousand words a day effortlessly by that fifth day. And that's kind of how I do it. So I write books in a flash and then I take long, long breaks. And I've, I say I've written 15 books. It's actually probably more like 20 at this point. But a lot of these books are short because I do think that the ideal length these days is closer to 20,000 words. I think people like being able to sit down and consume information in two hours. I think the traditional 10-hour book, especially in nonfiction, is too long for most people these days. And writing a short book allows you to undercut the competition coming out of the traditional publishing houses on price. You can sell these books at $2.99, 99 cents, still make plenty of money, and not have to go head-to-head with a book that's $9.99 from an author you know that everybody knows. You don't have to go up against Steve Harvey or whatever <laughs> selling a book. You can just be you know competing against them on price. And with the way Amazon's algorithm works, if you're price low, you're going to hit those bestseller lists and stay there. And that's a good point. Yeah. And just so you know, Matt, my book beat out Steve Harvey uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And let the record reflect that we love Steve Harvey. All right. So let's start to wrap up here, Matt. We do appreciate your time. Who is doing something that interests you? Just in the author community. All encompassing. So All encompassing. Just, yeah, uh, just tell. What's that one dude's name? He's got a hard name. The, the guy that's uh, that runs Tesla. What's his name? Uh, Elon, Musk. Elon, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't exactly roll off the tip of my tongue, especially when I'm like trying to focus so hard to remember Kamanzi's name. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Elon. Elon Musk to me is like the coolest dude. Like I, I think I tell people jokingly like that my goals with you know, buck flogging or basically that, you know, I want to fly to Mars with Elon Musk and have, uh, you know, see who can pee the longest distance on Mars with Elon, me and Elon, you know, that's all I'm at. That's all I'm trying to do with these adventures of mine. But no, he's like this crazy visionary, uh, with transportation, especially. And also I'm not so passionate about what he's doing with like the space program and whatnot, but I really like what he's doing with uh, transportation. I think that's killer. And I do think that He's just a cool dude, especially knowing that he's willing to risk every penny that he's made of the hundreds of millions of dollars that he's made in order to fulfill these visions for a better world. And you can tell that he's not in it from the money. He's really just a visionary that likes to do things. And um, the dude's on fire. I think I predict now that in 10 years he will be uh, he'll have a higher net worth than Bill Gates and uh, Warren Buffett and some of the other, you know, big leaders in the that department right now. So if uh, Matt, for those listeners that are left, what is the best place for them to connect with you online and, and get to know you and, and say hi? Well, I think bugbooks.net obviously is my pride and joy these days. And, you know, it's just a great thing that we're doing. Everybody loves it. 
And if you read books at all, come over to buckbooks.net and subscribe. And as our subscriber base grows, we're going to be able to use that as leverage to get whatever book that we want. We'll be able to go get all the stuff on the bestseller list and basically strong arm the publishers and authors into pricing that at 99 cents for a day so our subscribers can get that. So anyway, that's my legacy that I bring. And uh, it's not quite as grandiose as Elon Musk's plans for the world, but uh, that's what I got going on now, and it's a cool thing. So buckbooks.net. Uh, keep Kamanzi and Jared in your mind because we might be uh, talking to you later this year. <laughs> If you guys are writing books and, um, you know, this is exactly what I'm talking about with podcasting. You're making a connection right now. I like you guys. I'm flattered that you thought of me and brought me on your podcast. Now I'm wanting to go help you guys out when you send an email and say, Hey, will you guys promote my book? I just wrote, I'm going to be an instant yes. And you guys are going to see great sales from that. So keep up the good work. Keep building good relationships with people out there and you'll go really far. And uh, I can't wait to see what you guys come up with later this year. And Jared, we should give a shout out to Jimmy Burgess because Jimmy Burgess kind of introduced us into the whole book book world and Matt and all that. So give a shout out here to Jimmy Burgess. Yeah, we love Jimmy. Hey, Matt, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? I don't think so. I think I'm all I'm all spent. Plus, I got another one coming up at, at five Eastern. So you know, I really gotta <laughs> I gotta save my my brain. <laughs> Buck flogging, I can't run out of Buck's man juice. Well, what would Buck flogging say for final thoughts? Uh, something involving the ladies somehow, like um, probably giving out his, his phone number or something like that. I, I <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> All right, tireless libido on that guy. I don't know. It's, it's uncontrollable. <laughs> Matt, we do appreciate your time. Thank hey, you. Hey, thanks, guys. Take it easy. Definitely, uh, you got to get followers and uh, you have to be able to contact them on demand, not through social media, which depends on algorithms and all kinds of other crap. It's always changing, but on your terms, which is you being able to write and reach out to them and it goes to their inbox a few minutes later. You know, those kinds of terms. You need to be able to get in touch with the people who've ever taken an interest in you at any point.